Coming up, they didn't deserve to be blessed, but God blessed them anyhow. Next, on today's Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos, and we are continuing our eye-opening series called Blessed Beyond Imagination. Now, at the start of this series, we used Psalm 103 as the springboard into an exploration of how incredibly blessed every single child of God really is. And then in the last few episodes, we took a turn that may seem in some ways unexpected. We looked at prime examples of people in the Bible who are blessed of God, even though they did not deserve it, just as you and I don't deserve the blessing of God. Now, at the end of the last episode, it was pretty rough. It was talking about the horrible rebellion of Israel at the time of Moses under law. And yet God intervened, even with mercy, even though they were far from deserving, just like you and I. We see an interesting pattern uh, in the Bible, that even though in Bible times the eldest son deserves the richest inheritance and blessing, There are numerous cases in the Bible where we see God blessing the younger son with rich blessings. Why? Well, it's because God is the one who's the blesser, not because we deserve it, but because God is that good. Well, today in part 11 of our series, we continue to explore what the Bible says about people richly blessed of God, even though... They didn't deserve it. But let's take a moment right now and pray. Oh, great Heavenly Father, thank you for the greatest honor of all to call you together with the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Father. Dear Lord, I realize that we cannot comprehend such an incredible heart of love and goodness and blessing apart from your word and apart from the Holy Spirit bringing enlightenment and revelation of your word and your heart. And Father, I pray for that right now. Father, as we look into the lives of people that were richly blessed by you yet didn't deserve it, just like we don't deserve your love, and your goodness, and your blessing. Yet you bless them, Father. And uh, Father, above all, I just pray that we would catch a, a greater glimpse of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first person we're going to talk about is Ruth. And uh, you can hear about her or read about her in the book of the Bible that bears her name, the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth was an outsider. She was a Moabite, and 
she was not one of the Jews, one of the people who were blessed under the Abrahamic blessing. So she didn't deserve in any way, shape, or form to be blessed. And yet she said this to her Jewish mother-in-law. This is recorded in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. She says, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. Now remember, Ruth had lost her, uh, her husband, who happened to be a Jew. And not only was her husband lost, but her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, lost her husband, and Naomi also lost one of her other sons. So there was just a lot of tragedy that was going on in this family. And this is where we hear Ruth. In other words, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, wanted to say, look, just pursue you, pursue your own life. I'm bitter. Life has been very difficult for me. And yet in the midst of that, you know, Naomi was pretty depressing. And yet Ruth wanted to stay with her. She says this again in Ruth 1, beginning in verse 16, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That's in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Now, Ruth wasn't saying that because Naomi was such a wonderful person, but Ruth having been around the Jewish people, the descendants of blessed Abraham could see that these people and their God, the God that these people served, was good. And she could see the evident blessing of such a good God on these people, and she did not want to leave this family. She didn't want to leave this blessed family and these blessed people. And yes, there was tragedy. And yet, God had a destiny for Ruth, the Moabite, the the Gentile, the woman who shouldn't get the time of day at all, definitely not under the Abrahamic blessing. And yet, she was destined of God for great posterity. You see, it was through Ruth's great-grandson, and uh, the book of Ruth goes on to say that Ruth remarried the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, and Boaz and Ruth had a great-grandson, none other than King David himself. And through David came to Israel and to you and me and the world the King of Kings, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's incredible how God included this Moabite woman into the family, into the nation, into the blessing. And the blessing didn't stop with Ruth's life. It went on to King David and on to David's lineage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking of King David, that's another one who really didn't deserve to be blessed. 
You see, Saul, King Saul, the first king of the nation of Israel, uh, was David's predecessor as king. And Saul had fallen out of God's favor because he disobeyed the Lord and consulted with a witch instead of God. And so God meant to anoint another, to select another as king after King Saul. And that person was David, the youngest and therefore the least of Jesse's sons. He did not deserve to be blessed. He wasn't the firstborn son, far from it. He was the youngest. And yet he was the one that was anointed as king of Israel. Even Samuel, the prophet, when God sent him to the house of Jesse, he kept seeing these older sons and thinking, oh yeah, it's this one, it's this one. And God's like, no, 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 no. There's yet one more. And Jesse didn't even bother to have King come out, uh, or rather David come out when the prophet came by. And yet David was anointed He was shown favor, even though he really didn't deserve it. He was favored of God. Think about that. Not because he was so praiseworthy, but because David trusted in God's goodness. He trusted in God's, the Hebrew word is chesed. We talked about this concept of chesed earlier in this series, and I encourage you, if you didn't uh, catch those earlier parts, go to our website and look up those earlier parts of this same series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. The Hebrew word chesed is so rich, it's so powerful, it speaks about God's covenant love. In fact, no one else in all the Bible uses that Hebrew word chesed more than David. Because David realized that he wasn't deserving. The only reason why he was blessed, the only reason why he was anointed as king over Israel, and the only reason why, and we'll see this in a moment, the covenant that God made with David was because of God's chesed. You know, that Hebrew word chesed is the closest word in the Old Testament Hebrew to the concept of the grace of God. In fact, so great was the experience of David in the grace of God in his chesed that uh, David even brought dimensions of the new covenant of grace into old covenant times. And um, we could see, for instance, the covenant of law, which belonged in the tabernacle of Moses. David built a tabernacle of his own and, and brought, that, uh, brought the ark there. And and there he worshiped before the Lord. And so we see in David's life the evidence of blessing. Even he was the commander of the army and a great warrior and many exploits in battle. Not only just David, God brought him incredible mighty men of valor who stood strong and courageous to uh, right along the side of David in defense of Israel. And then God made a covenant with David. And we see this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God bestowed upon David special blessings to his kingly line that that his line of kings would never end. 
and that one would descend from David who would be Israel's Savior and Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what uh, David says about this in the face of such an incredibly blessing God, even though he didn't deserve it. First Samuel chapter 7, verse 18, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. You know, that's what he would do. He would go into that tabernacle right there in front of the ark and sit in the presence of God. And just a little footnote, the idea of sitting is being at rest. Did you know that the priests under Moses, under law, never rested? They never sat while they were in the tabernacle and the tabernacle proper doing their duties. And yet, here's King David sitting before the Lord. And here's what he said. Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. That's the case of King David, and it's very striking. And then there's probably an even more striking case of someone who absolutely didn't deserve the blessing of God and yet was richly blessed, and that is King Solomon. Now, you remember that um, Solomon was a situation where uh, he was the result of an adulterous relationship that David had with Bathsheba. And Solomon was not the oldest son of King David. He did not deserve to be blessed because of birth order. And yet, he asked the Lord for great wisdom because he was made king at a very young age. And God blessed him with great wisdom and fabulous wealth. As a matter of fact, uh, so much wisdom that kings and queens would travel from great distances and they would have great wealth that they would give David just to hear his wisdom, which came from God. That's the favor of God. That's the blessing of God. And history marks King Solomon as one of the richest people of all time. Unlike King David, Solomon enjoyed a time of great peace and prosperity. David was in a, a man of war, and there were just constant battles that were going on. King Solomon built the temple of the Lord in fulfillment of the covenant that God made with David, his father. And yet, despite all that wisdom, despite all the blessing and favor of God, King Solomon did many foolish things. He forgot that he was as who he was as a loved, rightful heir because of God's love for him. And he substituted fleshly love for God's love. And King Solomon was led down in sin, down a very dark path of demonic idolatry, even the rebuilding of an altar where children were burned alive. That's King Solomon. Now look, the sin and evil that Solomon did was wrong. Very, very wrong. We fall into sin and idolatry and destruction when we are seduced by Satan to believe this, 
to believe that God really isn't good and that God wants to deprive us of good, just like Satan did to our first parents in the Garden of Eden at the fall. And therefore, we substitute living in the love, goodness, and blessing of God for worldly, even satanic so-called love. That's why we need to know and enjoy living in the blessings of God. And just like David, sitting in the presence of God, looking full on to that heart of love and goodness that so blesses us, and to get to know this amazing blessing God personally. Later on in the timeline of history, of uh, Israel, you remember um, that uh, Syria defeated the northern kingdoms uh, or tribes of Israel, and then during the time of Jeremiah, the Babylonians took uh, the southern kingdom, uh, seizing control of Jerusalem and desecrating the ta- the uh, temple. And there was 70 years of captivity that resulted. And yet, even in this time of captivity, when the judgment of God fell on Israel because of their continual evil and idolatry, yet God still blessed them in a rich way. Consider these people who uh, were blessed of God during the time of captivity. How about Daniel? Daniel faced a situation where uh, he was uh, thrown into a den of lions because of jealousy that people had against him. You know, he sought God and continued to suit God, to uh, seek God, even though evil men had tried to convince the uh, king of Persia to institute a law that would not allow people to pray as they saw fit. And yet Daniel continued to pray, thrown into the lion's den. You know the story how God delivered him. And then there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, walking with God. And yet they refused to bow down to the idol that was erected by the king. They were captives. Those people were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God delivered them from the fiery furnace. These were captives in a foreign land. They were under the pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, and yet they were blessed of God. Even in the captivity of pagan people, they did not eat the same foods as their captors, and they didn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's great idol. It is important to note that being blessed of God does not mean that we will always avoid troubles, as we see with Daniel, uh, who was thrown in the den of lions, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown alive into a fiery furnace. You see, people who are blessed of God are frequently persecuted by others who are jealous of the blessings of the righteous. Yet God means to bless everyone. Whosoever will, said the Lord Jesus Christ so many times, whosoever will may come to Christ for salvation and be born again as a blessed child of God. But remember, the blessing of God is always because it's according to grace. 
to those people who receive by faith what God's grace has already provided. Oh, that's so important. The the definition of God's grace that I have put together through many years of study of these things is the grace of God is God uh, totally loving us. It's the gift of himself and totally loving us, totally blessing us, and totally accepting us, not because we are so good and earned it, but because he is that good and gives himself. That is that is the grace of God. And I want you to understand it's, it's flowing from his heart. Grace has nothing at all to do with your performance, dear friend, good or bad. The grace of God is because of the goodness of God. And that grace is received by faith. I want to bring up another amazing account of someone in the Bible, richly blessed of God, During this time of captivity, and remember the reason for the captivity, these ungodly people seized the land of God, seized the city of God, seized and desecrated and destroyed the temple of God because this was a time of judgment of God against a people who for century after century after century defied God to the point of great evil. And so judgment day had come. God reserved a uh, remnant. One of those people was Esther, young, a young woman, a godly woman, who experienced God's favor even in this time of captivity of pagans. And again, another book that bears her name, Esther, and you can read about this uh, in your book. Bible, the Old Testament, the book of Esther. Esther was chosen by this ungodly king to be the queen out of hundreds of eligible and beautiful prospects. Esther received the king's favor even though she came into his presence unbidden, which ordinarily would have resulted in execution. And in fact, Esther turned the tables on the devil who was behind evil Haman's plot to destroy the Jews. Yeah, there was a plot, and that plot by an evil man to have the people of God destroyed. Yet God intervened in a very powerful way. And in fact, Haman, who built gallows for the execution of Esther's godly uncle, it turned out he was the one who swung from the gallows and died. And then the king, the secular king, the pagan king, issued the edict throughout the kingdom that no Jew would be touched. So they were protected. And that brought about justice against the devil's henchman, Haman. And this is so incredible because Ruth, in this very dramatic scene that we see in the Bible before all this uh, turn of events, that became positive, she went to the king and she implored the king for mercy, for justice, for understanding. And you didn't just walk into the king's court unbidden. 
You had to have permission. Even the queen couldn't just walk into the king's court. And the royal law was that if anyone went in dared to enter the king's court unbidden, they had to be executed. And yet, she went in. She had the favor of God. You know, Ruth didn't get all this from God because she deserved it. She got all this from God because she was a daughter of Abraham, who was blessed of God, who also promised to bless Abraham's descendants, including Esther. And remember, even Abraham didn't deserve to be blessed, but he and his descendants, including Esther, was blessed of God. Not because Abraham or Esther was so good, or you or I are so good, but because God is that good, and that is how he gets glory. And now, as we conclude today's lesson, I want to talk about the person who is the most blessed of all in the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he is also the Son of Man. He is the most blessed human being there ever was or ever will be. Jesus is the Son of God, 100% divine. But do you know, he is also the Son of Man, 100% human. And yet, Jesus' humanity does not diminish his divinity, and his divinity does not diminish his humanity. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, and yet he is indeed the most blessed person of all. Jesus is the firstborn of the Heavenly Father. Remember, the firstborn is the heir of the choice and best blessing, the most blessed of all. Jesus is also the firstborn over a new creation, a new human race. We find this in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It's not the race of Adam, first Adam, the sinning, condemned, and dying race. But Jesus is the last Adam. He's righteous He's blessed, and those who are in him are a righteous and blessed race. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Jesus, the firstborn of this new race of blessed human beings, now sits at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. And do you know that that right hand is the favored place? Jesus is the heir of all as the firstborn. He is king and ruler, and he reigns with power. But wait a minute, you might say. Wait wait a minute. Jesus does deserve to be blessed. I thought you were talking, Mark, about people who don't deserve to be blessed. True. But because Jesus deserves to be blessed, someone else who does not deserve to be blessed is richly blessed. And do you know who that person is? That person is you, dear believer. And every single person, including me, who is in Christ. And that's where we'll pick it up next time 
on the Daily in Christ podcast as we continue our series, Blessed Beyond Imagination. Let's pray. Father, our hearts can hardly, our minds can scarcely trace such great, profound love and goodness and blessing. But Lord, this is who you are. This is the heart of you. Father, thank you for your word that over and over and over and over and over again demonstrates your love and blessing and favor to people who don't deserve it. And it's all because of your great love, Father. Holy Spirit, minister to each of us. Even as we conclude this podcast in the intervening hours that come and days, Lord, give us a deeper revelation of such great love, of such great goodness, of such a great blessing heart as yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Dear friend, one of the big reasons why Jesus had to die was to institute something called the New Covenant. And yet, sadly, most Christians really don't know what the Bible teaches about the New Covenant. They don't know what it is. They don't know what it means in terms of our relationship with God. They don't know what it means for our everyday life. The New Covenant. Just think, Jesus shed his precious blood to make the new covenant possible. That's how important the new covenant is to God. And yet, the new covenant is largely and tragically unknown to most Christians. Unfortunately, it seems most pastors don't teach it. And it's probably because they don't really know what the Bible says about the new covenant. You know, if you are one of those who really don't know much about the new covenant, that and that deeper understanding can change and transform your life. I want to introduce you to a series that I did, a teaching series called Hebrews, The Glory of the New Covenant. Did you know that the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is all about the New Covenant? And this 50-part series is available for download free at our website, dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. And there's a whole lot more resources that are available for you. I encourage you to stop by our website. Dear friend, I'm Mark Van Ees. I want you to always remember Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Amen.